Hey guys, it's Tim and this is Wrestling Unlimited as it's Friday, July 1st. What the heck? Why is my... There we go. July 1st, 2022. This is the Wrestling Wrap-Up. They always say it's a handful of news brought to you in one easy-to-watch video. As far as today's show does go, we do have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, technically 11 stories for today's show we're gonna talk about excuse me we're gonna talk about aw signing claudio castagnoli we're gonna talk about wwe signing logan paul we're also gonna talk about an nxt wrestler a very popular nxt wrestlers contract coming up another injury possibly coming from forbidden door and at the end of this podcast we'll also be doing some money in the bank predictions we got all of that and more right here Wrestling Unlimited, if you are watching live on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Unlimited, or if you're watching and listening later, whether that's youtube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, or podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, iHeartRadio, Google Pod, Apple Pod, and so much more. Excuse me, I literally, I've been fine all morning, then I'm like, all right, time to go live, and I just can't stop coughing for some reason. But with that, if you are watching live, you can help us out a couple of different. Caught in my throat. Holy crap. Give me one second. Take a drink. It's like there's a bubble caught in my throat or something. I don't know what the hell's going on. But with that, if you are watching us live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can either help us out by subscribing. Uh, by hitting that donate button down below, or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a tiered subscription, just like Rosario9248 recently did, or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. And that's anybody's Amazon Prime account. You just take that Amazon Prime account, you take that Twitch account, you link them together, bada bing, bada boom, you're Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things. And actually, let's see what the new June games are for Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like Rain World, the Dark Side Detective, the Metronomicon, Hugh, Manuel Samuel. That's a fun one. And so, ooh, Road Trip is free as well. That's a good one. And so many more. Also, King of Fighters. 2002 yeah it's an old game but it's a fun one very very fun one actually there's a lot more free games on here this month than normal you may want to go check that out also you get free stuff for games what four games do they have this month you get free stuff for nba 2k22 grand theft auto online pokemon go world of warcraft all guys and so much more so with that also remember if you do follow us on youtube you can help us out over there by hitting that join button to become a channel member as a channel member you get early access to news early access to podcast episodes early access to non-news videos and so much more also remember you can get all of that but more directly supporting us and easier for you to find everything over at patreon.com forward slash pw unlimited where i do have a shout out because we did get a new patron over there 
let me find that. I just had it up, and now I have lost it. Why do you want to see it anymore? I do want to thank Cody Miller for becoming a Tier 2 subscriber over at patreon.com forward slash PWUnlimited. Um, Dylan, we may have some news on that today, so stick around. But with that, as far as the stories do go, we're going to kick it off with a block of AEW news. Kick it off with a block of AEW news. We're going to talk about Claudio Castagnoli. So we got to go back about a week and a half now to the Dynamite before Forbidden Door. Brian Danielson was on the show and said, I can't compete, but I found a suitable replacement. Somebody you will not be disappointed with. Everyone then expected that it was going to either be Johnny Gargano or Claudio Castagnoli, and it ended up being Claudio Castagnoli. Claudio came in, defeated, <clears throat> excuse me, defeated Zack Sabre Jr. at Forbidden Door, and then also competed in War Games, not War Games, but Blood and Guts, where he actually got the victory. He was the one that actually picked up the win after tapping out, I want to say it was Matt Menard, the sharpshooter. Which... Kudos on Claudio for still putting the sharpshooter as one of his top moves, even though he's not in WWE and no longer there with TJ Wilson. Because you know he started doing the sharpshooter because of TJ. Claudio and TJ Wilson, the former Tyson kid, were tag team champions, tag team partners, became really close friends. And when TJ got injured and couldn't wrestle anymore, as a tribute to him, Claudio started doing the sharpshooter. Claudio, in AEW, still doing the sharpshooter. Winning matches, well... A match so far with the sharpshooter. So that's very cool to see that he's still doing that. Most people may not realize that that's a nod to TJ Wilson, but it is because he wasn't doing the sharpshooter, to my knowledge, before they were a tag team and before, you know, TJ had to retire because of the neck injury, the broken neck. But we learned a couple of things this week. Like Tony Khan actually reached out to Claudio back on June 2nd about coming into the company. Now, when he first reached out to him, it wasn't clear if he was going to come in first as an AEW wrestler or first as an ROH wrestler. He reached out to Claudio and said, hey, we got this ROH pay-per-view coming up, Death Before Dishonor. You've you know, got a big history within ROH. We want you on that show. And then when the Danielson stuff came and they needed the replacement, that's when Claudio was placed you know, in the BCC, in Blood and Guts and all that stuff. So the big question is, if Danielson wasn't injured, would Claudio still have been added to the Blackpool Combat Club? That is a big lingering question that we may not know. Well, we don't know, but we may not never know. That is a question that some people have asked me, and I'm like, you know what? That's actually a great question I didn't think of. I'm not taking credit for this question. Other people asked me. I think I had two, maybe three people asked me this question. And I'm like, that's a great question. I don't know, and I would love to know, if Claudio would have been in the Blackpool Combat Club, even if Danielson, he didn't have to replace Danielson in those two matches. But we also learned some more stuff for Dave Meltzer in the latest Wrestling Observer newsletter where uh, Meltzer wrote following. Castanulli was likely offered a sizable amount of money to resign with WWE, and he turned it down. The feeling is that Tony Khan either matched or topped that offer. The report goes on to state that many are surprised of this offer as it was believed that AEW was no longer offering these size of contracts to incoming talent. Khan had said 
that he's been a fan of Claudio work uh, and his work in and out of the ring. And that's probably why he was like, you know what? I'll give this guy anything. I'll pay this guy anything to come into my company. So that is very interesting that it is believed that AEW gave Claudio a pretty hefty contract because WWE offered him a pretty hefty contract that he turned down. And it's not like, from what we're able to gather here, it's not like Claudio left WWE with the all intentions of going straight to AEW, of, oh, I'm not going to sign with WWE because I want to go to AEW. No. It took February, March, April, May, June, four months for him to come to AEW, and it took three before they even talked. Three before the two sides even talked. So if Claudio was very interested, if it was a, I'm not signing with WWE because I want to go to AEW thing, you think either A, he would have reached out to Tony Khan, or Tony Khan would have got wind of that and reached out to Claudio a lot earlier. Not June 2nd. So that is a very interesting thing there, that it's like, Claudio, from what we can gather, and we've heard this in the past over the last couple of months, he didn't leave because he wanted to do other things. He left. Well, I phrased that wrong. That's not how it was told to me. He didn't leave because he wanted to go wrestle for one other specific company. He left because he was felt like he did all that he was going to be allowed to do in WWE. That's what it was told to me. That Cesaro, now back to Claudio Castagnoli, left WWE because he basically felt he hit that ceiling where there's no more left for me to do here that they're going to allow me to do. And we know that he's been training for, and I think it was this past Monday, he had a weightlifting competition he was competing in. And actually, let's go see if he, if that came to fruition. Claudio Castagnoli. I know last week he was showing workout videos from his, uh, for his, what's it called? Um, um, he had a workout of, the, the, why can't I say it all, all of a sudden? He had a weightlifting competition that was coming up. Um. Let's see if I can find anything from that. Yeah, so back three days ago, which would have been Tuesday, maybe Monday, he tweet, uh, posted on Instagram, about to start this power meet, let's go. I think it was streamed on Twitch as well. But he did do a meet, powerlifting meet competition, whatever you want to call it. Really cool. He's not just, you know, still just wrestling, but he's doing other things as well. And, I, and here's the thing. Him doing this, these powerlifting competitions, when he showed up at Forbidden Door, and especially for some reason in Blood and Guts, I'm like, Claudio looks more jacked than ever. And his, like, chest and just, like, his top area, his chest, shoulders, looked bigger. And I guess that could have to be with him training for powerlifting competitions, or at least a powerlifting competition because like I said he looked like he had put on some some mass especially in his chest and his upper like whatever these are areas not trap that's not the trap I don't know but he looked bigger and now we know possibly why he's bigger because he's been training for competitions but speaking of somebody that came from a from WWE to AEW and competed at Forbidden Door well that's Adam Cole Adam Cole Suffered an injury at Forbidden Door, and we have a little more info on that now-known concussion. Adam Cole suffered a, what was said, quote, very serious concussion, according to Dave Meltzer in the latest Wrestling Observer newsletter. 
Colt's concussion led to a rush and awkward finish in the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship four-way at, at, at uh, Forbidden Door. In the final sequence of the match, Cole landed several drop kick, or super kicks on Okada for a near fall, but was acting very sluggish after taking a super kick from Hangman Page. And we don't know if that super kick from Page is what concussed Cole, but ever since that spot, it looked like he was, you know, working weird. He took a drop kick straight to the head from Okada, where he landed just hard onto the mat, and then Okada had to literally lift him up to do the Rainmaker, the clothesline. And when he picked him up, he went for the Rainmaker, and Cole just collapsed. Uh, Meltzer reports on, uh, reported on Friday that suggests that Cole could potentially undergo surgery to fix a torn labrum as well as he's been dealing with that injury or other injuries that he's been dealing with also. Message suggests that Cole is, quote, mentally wanting to continue as evidenced by the fact of the Owen Hart Cup when he worked that match injured with a messed up shoulder. So it's like Cole's got a lot of different injuries right now that he's dealing with. And he wants to keep working with said injuries, but that's not always the case. Look at Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega's talking about possible retirement now because he worked too hard during with injuries. Kenny Omega said earlier this week that, A, got a lot of different injuries. Kenny's had like five or six different surgeries this year alone. And he even said, if I have a one more uh, setback in my rehab, I may just have to hang it up and say, that's it. I'm done. I can't keep going. So hopefully Adam Cole sees the light, I guess you can say, and gets everything fixed, undergoes the surgery he may need, or at least takes time off to rehab, because he's got a shoulder injury. He's got a torn labrum, which I think may go and, you know, coincide with one another. Let me see, what's a torn labrum? If he's got a torn labrum, yeah, that is shoulder. Well, yeah, it's shoulder. Torn labrum in the shoulder. What's the recovery time on that? Torn labrum. Four to six weeks. If no surgery is needed, six to four months, if longer, or four to six months, if longer. So hopefully Adam Cole gets the help he needs. And that's probably the wrong way to say it. But as far as the doctors fixing him up, him getting surgery, if he needs the surgery, him taking some time off and going on, you know, rehab for rehab's sake and all that stuff. So hopefully Adam Cole gets fixed up. We can get him back sooner rather than later. Now, speaking of possible other injuries coming out of Forbidden Door, so we thought Adam Cole was the only injury coming out of Forbidden Door, and now that may not be the case, as Alex Coughlin may have actually been injured at Forbidden Door. Now, we know that Alex Coughlin suffered some sort of an injury this past week. We just don't know if it's at Forbidden Door or not. But New Japan Wrestling, <coughs> excuse me, but New Japan Wrestling actually announced a number of wrestlers that needed to be replaced for their upcoming show at Corican Hall, and one of those is Alex Coughlin. They state that Alex Coughlin has suffered an injury to his left calf muscle. Coughlin, who was slated to work a one, two, three, a one, two, six-man tag team match on Monday, July 4th, will be replaced by Yuji, Yuji Nagata Coughlin is out for an undisclosed amount of time. 
will also be replaced the next night in a six-man tag team match by... Um, uh, you just ain't got it again. So, the reason I said that this injury may have came in Forbidden Door is because, well, Alex Coughlin has not worked a match since that buy-in match at Forbidden Door when he and the other members of the LA Dojo took on basically just Max Caster and Billy Gunn. So, again, another possible injury coming. Well, no. So, another injury that could have possibly taken place at Forbidden Door. Now, we don't know if he got injured doing something else this week. He hasn't, again, had a match since Forbidden Door, but maybe something happened in training. Yet, I don't know when he was supposed to travel to Japan for those shows next week. Because, remember, those are Cork and Hall shows. which mean, those are in Japan. It's not like he's just... Still here in the States working New Japan Strong stuff since he has technically graduated from the dojo. So all the best to Alex Coughlin as it looks like another injury has bit the bit the AEW New Japan wrestlers. There's a number of them. We also know that uh, Yoda Nakashima is out with an elbow injury. Doki has been ruled out of action due to being close to somebody with COVID. And Yo also tested positive for COVID as well. All four of those wrestlers have been pulled from the Cork and Hall shows early next week. Again, if we do hear anything further on Alex Coughlin and his injury, his injury to left calf muscle, we will continue to follow up on that. Speaking of another injury in AEW, and I know, why all the injury talk? Well, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. And this one has to do with Brian Danielson. According to Dave Meltzer in the latest Wrestling Observer Newsletter, he, Meltzer writes, quote, about Danielson and his injury. The silver lining is that the ratings this summer are probably not as important as, it, uh, as in the fall, winter, and spring with a new distribution contract when the new distribution contract is being negotiated. Punk should be back by then. Danielson, though, is unknown because if it is a concussion and with his history, there is no timetable. But one certainly hopes he would be back. So basically what Meltzer is saying is, this fall, this winter, next spring, AEW needs to really bolster their ratings if they want to either, well, if they want to get a better television contract. Now, the summertime, they'll be okay. Yeah, they got a lot of big names out. They've got Adam Cole out. They've got Brian Danielson out. They've got Santana's now out. They've got so many different wrestlers out. And it's like, ratings may slip. Now, Blood and Guts did really well, over a million uh, viewers in the ratings, but that's because it's a big gimmick match. But the thing here is with Danielson, it's like Punk, many people think he could be back by all out, if not full gear at the latest. With Adam Cole, it's unknown because he's dealing with a concussion and he's got some nagging injuries, as we already talked about. But Danielson, Danielson's the big what if. And as Meltzer said here, it's very unknown and there's no timetable because of his history with concussions and injuries of this nature. So all the best to Brian Danielson. We hope he can heal up and get back in the ring sooner rather than later. But speaking of wrestlers and injuries and all different things in AEW, according to Dave Meltzer in the latest Wrestling Observer Newsletter, it looks like AEW may actually have, quote, a playbook for talent when it comes to a number of different things, as Meltzer wrote the following. AEW has a, quote, talent playbook 
distributed to everyone, which includes information on the company's, quote, drug policy, concussion protocol, hydration, injury, and others. They also have a mental health resource available to staff and have done training on concussions, hydration, and maintaining mental, mental and physical health. Now, this news coming out actually is kind of a big deal after last week's AW Forbidden Door media scrum. Not media scrum, the media call on Friday because Tony Khan was asked a question about a wellness policy in all wrestling, which we had never heard of. Nobody knew that there was a, quote, wellness policy in AEW. Not even Dave Meltzer, who's supposed to be super connected to Tony Khan in AEW. So the question came up, does AEW need a wellness policy after the Jeff Hardy stuff? And Tony Khan's like, we do have one. Dave Meltzer was asked about that later on that night on Wrestling Observer Radio. And was like, yeah, I guess they got a wellness policy. They just don't talk about it. Like, he didn't even know about it. So it's cool that they have a, quote, playbook. It's got a bunch of different resources and information for the talent. They can go and know what's expected of them and what can happen and what cannot happen and what needs to happen in this and that. Again, this playbook includes information on their drug policy, which is their wellness policy, concussion protocol, hydration, and other things. And it's also cool that they've done training. and They have training available to their staff and wrestlers for concussions, hydration, and maintaining mental and physical health. So that's really cool that AEW has got all those different things implemented because a lot of people give AEW crap for being just an elevated indie promotion that got money from daddy. And I hear that all the time. Oh, all this company is is some guy wanted to start an indie fed and goes, well, wait, daddy's got money. I can make this thing look legit. No, they're a legit top-tier company doing legit like top tier company things and not just like a wrestling company, but any kind of like top tier company would implement a lot of things like this, different training for their staff and wrestlers or employees, whatever you want to call them, different resources and all that stuff. It's like, they've got things in place that makes them. And as a lot of people may call them an elevated indie or just another jobber company. You think, and I'm not going to name any names here, but you think most of these indies out there have stuff like this where you have mental health issues. You, you got somebody in the company you can go to about it. You got, you know, issues with concussions. You got issues with, because I mean, and I'm just going to say it, a lot of these indie companies, like you, you suffer concussion, you got to go to the doctor yourself and figure it out. No, they got on-staff doctors. They've got people there to be like, nope, this is a concussion. I can diagnose it, da-da-da-da-da. They are more, again, than just an elevated indie or a jobber company. They don't, out a lot of the great things they're doing. I don't know why I air quoted that for their talent and their staff. And I don't think they need to tout that. I mean, sometimes maybe it would be nice to know some of the things they're doing behind the scenes because it, from a per perception standpoint, would make some fans view them in a better light. But at the same time, they really don't need to. If you get my drift. Uh, another news note here from AEW has to do with Jeff Hardy and his recent legal issues. We all know a couple of weeks back, I think it was June 13th, 13th, Jeff Hardy was arrested on DUI charges. He was arrested on driving with a suspended license and all of that. Well, according to PW Insider, Mike Johnson does note that Jeff Hardy has actually pled not guilty the DUI charge back from June 13th. 
According to a copy of a written statement from Jeff Hardy, Hardy writes, quote, uh, uh, Hardy, quote, waves arraignment by filling his written plea of non-guilty. Hardy and his arraignment was originally set for July 5th. He also waives the right to be present at any, uh, I don't know, any further conferences. So any upcoming, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, here, here's what the statement stated. Defendant Jeffrey Nero Hardy, pursuant to rules 3.160A, Florida Rules of Crime Procedure, waives arraignment by filling, filing this written plea of not guilty. Al Britton v. Uh, v. White, 940, da, da, da. defendant further waives his right to be present at all upcoming conferences. So if there's like a hearing or anything, Jeff doesn't have to be there. He's going to have someone represent him there. It's like, not guilty? Not guilty? Bro. Have you not seen the video of how you were driving? Like, not just the TMZ video. There's video from other news outlets that shows Jeff. Like, say, my hand is the, this hand is the line of, like, the two lanes. Here's one lane. Here's the other lane. Jeff was driving like this. And then at this point, he would come over here and almost hit the damn center divide wall. And then he'd come back and he'd straighten out and then he'd go back. And the cop followed him for a while. Let him just to see, you know, what was going on. If you haven't seen the full video, it's like a full nine, oh, 30 minute video, I think is what it is. Of the cops following Jeff. Of the cops pulling over Jeff and the cops putting Jeff through the field sobriety test and finally saying it's 9.55 a.m. and you have been arrested. So it's like, how can he plead not guilty? I get it. That's what you do. But how can you plead not guilty? Come on, bro. Come on. We all know you're guilty. You blew almost four times the legal limit. Come on. Like, just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. But as we move forward, before we get talking about anything else, we got to talk about the sponsor of this video sponsor of this video is well three or six three zero every kid loves riding a bike and that love grew into a lifelong passion at six three zero in the early 2000s we were swept up in the southern california beach culture and found the cruiser bicycle an integral part of that lifestyle nothing in the world seemed to matter when we were on our bikes cruising along the beach Enjoy the sand and sun. We smiled. We smiled more. We laughed more. We enjoyed more. We wanted to bring the innovative and refreshed look to this bike design from the past. And so, 630 Bicycle Company was born. 630 Bike Company is at the forefront of producing stylish and highly functional cruiser bicycles that are very comfortable, durable, and reliable, all within a very reasonable price range. Whether that is a standard or electric bike, 630 uh, has the bike for your fit. Looking to get an electric bike? Looking to get a standard bike? Looking to get something that looks cool? Well, 630 is here for you and look no further. Use our code or, or use our link, twunlimited.co forward slash 630. Going over there and checking out their bikes and letting them know we sent you. Again, that is pwunlimited.co forward slash 630. Spell it out, S-I-X-T 
T-H-E-R-E-Z-E-R-O. 630 Bicycle Companies. Moving forward, we're going to transition into a block of WWE news that also still technically has to do with AEW. This past Monday on Monday Night Raw, we saw the 20th anniversary celebration of John Cena. With that, we saw a lot of different videos of, congratulations, John. Hey, John, I remember when we wrestled that time. This and that and that. And we had three AEW wrestlers. Three AEW wrestlers. And Brian Danielson, Paul White, and Chris Jericho make appearances. Rifle that night reported that Tony Khan gave permission for these uh, videos to play. And we have a little bit more information on this per Dave Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Meltzer wrote, quote, the basic story behind this is that on June 24th, Bruce Pritchard called Tony Khan and asked about having clips from those guys as well as Mark Henry for Raw, for Raw and for Cena's 20th anniversary celebration. Khan felt that it sounded like they were doing a good show and it was a nice deal and that he and everyone has a lot of respect for Cena. He said that he was fine with it but it was up to the talent if they wanted to provide and do the videos. Jericho, White, Danielson, and Mark Henry all agreed to submit videos for the show, but Henry's, for some reason, did not make the air. Mega Perka of AEW contacted the three wrestlers and told, uh, and told them that Khan was okay with it, but they also had to be okay with it themselves, and they were all okay with it. Henry filmed one, but again, it never made air. We don't know why the Mark Henry video didn't play a lot of videos played they played the kurt angle they played multiple ones from kurt i don't remember if they were the same one twice but i remember two different sets of video packages and kurt angle was in both of them so it's like why didn't the mark henry video play that's a head scratcher we don't know but this was bruce pritchard directly reaching out to tony khan himself and stating hey can we get you know these guys Say good things about John Cena. We're doing this show. And, da, 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 and Tony Khan played nice and was like, sure, sure. Why not? Now the big question is, what's Tony Khan going to want in, in, in response? What's Tony Khan going to want in, in favor, return? Maybe nothing? Maybe something? I don't know. As we move forward, talk a little, I guess you could say, NXT as one Top and very popular NXT superstar could be a free agent within the next month. In the latest issue of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer reports that Io Shirai has actually not signed a new contract with WWE and that her actual current deal is up next month, which would make her a free agent in August. Shirai has reportedly informed people in Japan that she plans on returning home to be closer to her family once her WWE contract does expire. Unlike Kairi Sane, who returned to Japan midway through her WWE contract and agreed to work as a WWE ambassador in her home country, Shirai would be a free agent and able to do anything she wants next month. So with that, it does look like Kairi Sane, or not Kairi Sane, but Io Shirai could be leaving WWE and not having really any thought about sticking around. Meltzer also added that there's no expectation in stardom that Shirai will return to her old stomping grounds with that said, though, Shirai would be eligible to sign with Stardom next month if she doesn't sign a new deal with WWE. So with that again, Io Shirai could be a free agent and has told people she wants to go back to Japan. So that kind of rules out. Thun. And then 
not fully, but it rules out, oh, she's up in August, boom, get her an AEW as quick as possible. If she wants to move back to Japan, I don't see her signing with AEW, at least not full-time or long-term or anything. And that's just my assumption based off the news here of her telling people that she's uh, ready to move back to Japan to be closer to family. And we got one very popular female leaving WWE most likely. And another everyone keeps asking about that could be coming back soon. And that is Bailey. We all know that last year, basically almost a year ago now, Bailey suffered an injury while training at the WWE Performance Center and underwent surgery for a torn ACL. Well, according to Dave Meltzer in the latest Wrestling Observer newsletter, he states that Bailey is expected to return and return, quote, somewhat soon after being out of action for nearly a year. Meltzer didn't give any more context on this, but basically just stated that Bailey is expected to return somewhat soon to the company. I need to look something up really quick. Um, Give me one quick second here because I saw something else about Bailey as well and I want to double check that before I read it. Give me one second. Um, okay, no, it was just more rehashing of what Meltzer had written. Just Bailey should be back somewhat soon. That's literally all Meltzer wrote. Like literally, quote, Bailey should be back somewhat soon. But somewhat soon, what does that really mean? What does that really mean? Also, Dylan, what are you asking NJPW? Audio Shirai? They don't employ women. That would be stardom. And finally, as far as WWE news does go that we have here, we're going to talk a little bit about Logan Paul his signing with WWE. Again, Dylan, have you ever seen a female signed, that's not a manager, signed to New Japan? No. They only have male talent on their roster. We've seen females like Maria Kanellis as a quote-unquote manager. We've seen, um, oh, what's the one with Yujiro Takahashi? Peter as another manager, but they don't employ women as wrestlers. If they have any women's stuff, it's through Stardom because Bushi Road that owns New Japan also owns Stardom. So we've seen the last couple of years they've done Stardom matches on the pre-show for Wrestle Kingdom, but that's the closest we've gotten to females on a New Japan show. Legit New Japan show because we had the women's title match at Forbidden Door, but that was more an AEW show. Anyways, Logan Paul. Logan Paul announced yesterday that he had signed a contract with WWE earlier this week. We didn't get many details initially about this contract other than he called out the Miz. He said, I want you, Miz. I'm coming for you, Miz. And Miz first teased this match back on Monday. Monday, Miz said that he was going to team with Logan Paul at SummerSlam. Then Kevin Patrick said, are you sure Logan Paul would want to team with you after you turned on him? And we have a little more info on Logan Paul's WWE contract from Ariel Hawani. According to Ariel Hawani, he did state that Logan Paul has signed a contract to work multiple pay-per-view premium live events this year for WWE and next 2022 and 2023. Now it is unclear exactly how many events Logan Paul will be actually working, but he's being brought in under this deal to work pay premium live events. So pay-per-view shows, 
whether that is the upcoming SummerSlam, maybe they throw him on a Saudi show, maybe he's in the Royal Rumble next year, I assume WrestleMania next year, and of course he's going to have to be on some Raws and Smackdowns or whatever to build up those premium live event matches. Or as some people now call them, PLE matches. PLE, premium live events. Logan Paul is in with WWE till at least sometime next year. We don't know if this is just a one-year deal, SummerSlam to SummerSlam, but we'll look to see if we can get more information on this deal from Logan Paul. But Logan Paul has said it. He wants to take wrestling serious. He's not just in here for a payday. Like He said it after WrestleMania that he had so much fun working WrestleMania and doing the match that this is not just a payday for him and that he's taking his training seriously and he's actually coming in wanting to have good-looking matches, like matches where people go, man, that was pretty good. Now, I don't know if the Miz match is going to be considered that. I mean, if you got the right opponent, maybe Miz could pull out a decent to good match, but we'll see how that all does go. But finally, to wrap things up, let's do some predictions for this weekend's, actually tomorrow's, Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Let's pull up the card right here, and let's get going. Tomorrow night, July 2nd, 2022, is WWE Money in the Bank from the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. So far, and this is being recorded before SmackDown, so far, only six matches have been announced for the show. So I thought I'd give you my predictions, let you know who I think could be walking out victorious at Money in the Bank. First off, with the United States Championship on the line, Theory will be defending against Bobby Lashley. Now, if Theory is going to be moving on to a match with Cena, I don't want to see Theory lose here. But also, we don't know if he's going to have that match with Cena at SummerSlam because Cena isn't scheduled for any other shows upcoming. So I'm just going to say Theory picks up the victory over Bobby Lashley. I wouldn't want Lashley losing, but also Theory, he's kind of got to win right now. Um, going forward with the Raw Women's Championship on the line, it is Bianca Belair defending against Carmella. I have a no-brainer here. Carmella, you ain't winning. You ain't winning. It's Bianca Belair picking up the victory. For the SmackDown Women's Championship on the line, it's Ronda Rousey taking on Natalia Again, no, one of, no offense, Natalia. Another no-brainer. Ronda Rousey retaining the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, with the... Undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships on the line. It's the Usos, Jimmy and Jay, defending against the Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins, and Montez Ford. As far as this match does go, you know, I could see them putting the titles on the Street Profits. Yet, Roman's still got his belt. You got to keep the bloodline intact with all their titles, especially with that new t-shirt they put out today. So, the Usos pick up the win because they put that new shirt out with... All the bloodline holding all the gold. There we go. He ain't going to put that t-shirt out for the Usos to drop the belts a day later. A day later. Maybe this shirt came out earlier this week, but I just saw it for the first time today. Going forward, we got two Money in the Bank qualifying matches. First off, we'll talk about the one we know everybody's in. It's the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. It's Lacey Evans, Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, Asuka, Shotzi, and Becky Lynch. Now, this one is actually hard to predict. Actually pretty hard to predict. It's like, okay, they've been pushing Lacey Evans really hard, but they've been pushing Raquel Rodriguez even harder. Yet, 
You've got Asuka in this match. You've got Becky Lynch in this match. What better way to have Becky cap off a year-long storyline? How about, how about, how about, I got it. I'm going to say Becky. I'm going to say Becky. Now, I had a prediction earlier this week that we get Becky versus Bianca at SummerSlam. But here's my prediction. People may not like this, but just hear me out. You may not like what I say at first. Becky wins. What happened last year at SummerSlam? Becky came out and challenged for the championship on Bianca. Well, that was kind of like a cash-in, almost. How about Becky actually tries to cash-in on Bianca at SummerSlam, but hear me out, hear me out, unsuccessfully. Becky unsuccessfully cashes in on Bianca at SummerSlam. I don't know what match Bianca's going to have at SummerSlam, whether that's with Bailey a return, whether that's a returning Charlotte Flair, maybe the Rhea Ripley match we were supposed to get in Money in the Bank is at SummerSlam. Bianca wins, and then that's the route they should go. If Bianca's clear, or not Bianca, Rhea. If Rhea's clear, give me Rhea and Bianca. Bianca wins. Becky then tries to come out and cash in, but is unsuccessful, capping off a year-long storyline, SummerSlam to SummerSlam, of Becky trying to... Get Bianca off of her game to win the title. Because, oh, uh, I'm, I'm booking this all out of my head right now, not thinking. I got it. So, like I said, last year, Becky coming out was almost kind of similar to a cash-in. Well, this year, Becky actually cashes in, but is unsuccessful this time. Because Bianca is going to always have it in the back of her head. This heifer, coming for me. So, I always got to be ready. Because even like last year, when she didn't have a, a briefcase, came for me. She surprised me. Now, she can legally surprise me anytime she wants. But I think there's your story right there. Becky wins money in the bank. Becky then tries to redo what she did last year. Yet, difference is they actually do a match with Bianca instead of Becky just kicking Carmella to the bricks. And then she unsuccessfully cashes in. I just booked that all right now. And that's actually a perfect way to cap off the year-long storyline of Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. Because my thing was, it would have been better if Becky went into SummerSlam as the champion and then Bianca beat her. But no, I think this is even better because it almost does the same thing they did last year, but with the other result that everybody would have wanted last year. So there we go. Bada bing, bada boom. My prediction is Becky Lynch. And finally, we got the men's Money in the Bank ladder matches. Seth freaking Rollins, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Omos, Sami Zayn, Riddle, and a seventh competitor to be determined again. We're recording this before SmackDown, so if anything is announced after, on SmackDown and you're watching this after SmackDown, well, we don't know who TBD is. So if we look at who's in the match, I can see Seth winning. I can see Riddle winning. Those are my two predictions. You can do, you know, you can have a, a case for Sami Zayn because the whole storyline of I'm Sami Zayn, I've got the briefcase, I'm not going to cash in on Roman, and that means no one can cash in on Roman. That's actually not a bad storyline to do. And then you like do things where Sammy's going to have to, they're like, if you won't cash it in, if you're dead set on, I'm not cashing this in, then maybe we'll make you defend it. But I don't think that's the route they go. That's where they could go. But I think they're going to get themselves out of a loophole. I think, and it's a baby face holding money in the bank is always kind of weird. But Riddle's weird himself, so he could probably make it work. I'm going to predict Riddle wins the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. That's my prediction, Riddle. It would be cool to see Seth and Becky both have the briefcases. 
you know, first husband and wife to hold the briefcases. But I think we go riddle, and I could be wrong on this one, but I think we go riddle wins money in the bank. But with that, guys, those are my predictions for tomorrow night, for July 2nd, 2022s. Money in the bank, PLE, pay-per-view, whatever you want to call it. The MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. If we do hear anything else pertaining to money in the bank, we'll have it for you right here. Pro Wrestling Unlimited. But with that, guys, that's going to do it. That's going to wrap up the wrap-up. The last thing we do have to talk about is tonight's Friday Night SmackDown. It's Friday. We got SmackDown, and two things have been announced for the show. Let me double-check if anything else was announced while we went live. Probably not because it's so early. But... Um, let's go here. Why can't I find? There we go. Yeah, nothing else has been announced for Money in the Bank. I mean, for SmackDown and also, they're already putting SummerSlam tickets on sale. It's They just sent in a tweet, well, a couple hours ago, says, um, SummerSlam is headed to Nashville on July 30th. Use promo code LASTMAN to save 30% on select ticket prices. Last I heard, they were doing pretty well on the tickets. Also, there's a cool video of Nakamura and um, Riddle sparring, doing some Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But nothing else has been announced for SmackDown. As far as tonight goes, we do know of two matches. The New Day will be taking on the returning Viking Raiders. Plus, they're calling it Brand Supremacy, a Brand War six-woman tag. Raw will be represented by Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, and Asuka. As SmackDown is represented by Raquel Rodriguez, Lacey Evans, and Shotzi. With that, those two things are the only two things so far announced for tonight's Friday night SmackDown. But with that, guys, that's it. That's your Friday, July 1st, 2022 edition of the Wrestling Wrap-Up. I do want to say thank you for joining me here. If you are watching live, twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited, or if you're watching later, youtube.com forward slash PW or Pro Wrestling Unlimited, or if you're listening on podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, iHeartRadio, Google Pod, Apple Pod, and so much more. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. We've got money in the bank this weekend. It's 4th of July weekend. See you next time, guys. Have a good one.